Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. So um, this is episode 18 of the Combat Review. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, in this episode, sort of the first 10 to 12 minutes, we go through Chiesa versus Magni, um, which was a card that kind of got forgotten about during the middle of the week. Uh, and in fairness, it wasn't the most exciting. Um, but nevertheless, we have a little bit of a chat around it. Uh, then I sort of share my thoughts on illegal streaming, which is probably around the uh, 14 or 15 minute mark, uh, which is kind of a bit of a topic that Dana had a, a big bugbear about at the press conference. Um, and I kind of agree with him a little bit. Um, then I speak about the press conference that we saw and it was it too fluffy? Was it okay? Is it nice to have a bit of a change? Uh, and then for the last sort of 10 to 15 minutes or so, we discuss UFC 257. Um, enjoy episode 18. So, in between, obviously, uh, the UFC on ABC and UFC 257, there was another card, believe it or not. Uh, and I, uh, I'm i going to sound not that enthusiastic about this card, and I apologize in advance. I also apologize in advance for the fact that the review of this card um, is probably going to last about two and a half minutes, um, because there's not a great deal to talk about. Also, a lot of the focus is obviously being swallowed up by UFC 257. Now, it is good to share a fight week with UFC 257 versus than not sharing a fight week with UFC 257. You know, there's more eyes on the product. There's more eyes likely to watch the cards in between. The trouble is when there's three... I feel like the middle card gets forgotten a little bit um, and doesn't. it also doesn't have enough time to be talked about. Obviously, the Max Holloway performance was on Saturday. Um, we had Sunday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, uh, all day Wednesday, and then obviously this card was on Wednesday evening. The reason that this card doesn't have as much time uh, or focus on it is because the day after it was the, um, the weigh-ins, then you have the ceremonious weigh-ins. Um, you have various different bits of press that are being released for UFC 257. Um, there's just there's just a lot going on from sort of midweek fight week. Um, as 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 you have your fight week, it, obviously the media starts at the start of the week. But with Max Holloway fighting on Saturday or Sunday or Sunday night or Saturday morning, whenever whenever it was, that's kind of the problem. Um, is he kind of got his fight done and out of the way. So for the first half of the week, people are talking about Max Holloway. Then this fight happens. And then for the second half of the week, people are talking about Conor McGregor and UFC 257. So uh, that is a, a big reason as to why no one's really talking about this card. It also didn't really have the star power on it that you expect from uh, what any UFC card really. And in fairness, it's not its fault. It did have its main event fallout, which was... Uh, Hamza Chamayev versus Leon Edwards, which obviously fell out for the third time, second time, third time, I can't remember. Uh, but that's rematch has been made for the 13th of March. So um, there's a, a couple of bits. We'll go through the main card. Uh, and there's a couple of bits that uh, that, we'll, that we'll pick up on. Um, so we had in the featherweight division, Lerone Murphy uh, versus Douglas Silva de Andrade. Um, Douglas Silva has been in the UFC for quite a while. Um, he kind of has a bit of a, a, a spattered uh, record 
He does, however, have some half-decent wins under his belt. Um, he did beat Henan Burrell. Unfortunately, he beat Henan Burrell in 2019 when Henan Burrell wasn't really Henan Burrell anymore. Um, he lost to Rob Font, who is obviously an up-and-comer in uh, the featherweight division. He lost to Peter Yan, who is obviously the current champion, uh, but he did have a victory over Marlon Vera. So the guy's not a mug. But I watched this fight, uh, and, and Lerone Murphy is obviously a British guy. Oh, God, he's born in 1991. That's depressing, isn't it? Um, so he is uh, 29, I believe, perhaps 29. If my maths is right, yes, he's 29. Uh, and he is from Manchester in the UK. And this was his third fight in the UFC. His first um, fight was a draw against... Uh, took, took, I can never pronounce this guy's name. Tukhugov, uh, Zabaria Tukhugov. Um, we're never going to say his name again. Uh, he then uh, TKO'd Ricardo Ramos uh, in July, and he obviously won um, on Saturday night by decision. Uh, sorry, Wednesday night by decision. So pretty good performance by Leroy Murphy. Um, he's obviously going to try and slither his way up the featherweight division, um, the featherweight division, should I say, uh, which I think he's got a half-decent... Um, a half decent shot of doing um, when you sort of look at the uh, the scope of the division. Um, we've got Eds. Uh, we've got we've got Edson Barbosa at number fifteen. There's a question there. Bryce Mitchell, Ryan Hall, Shane. So I think if he gets another win, perhaps two under his belt, he'll, he can enter the sort of top fifteen or top ten. But it depends how quickly you want to push him. Do you want to push him early? Um, and run the risk that he obviously loses, or do you want to keep him ticking a lot? Uh, but he did look very, very, very good. Uh, so moving down to the flyweight division, the fight after that, we have Matt Schnell versus Tyson Nam. Uh, this was actually a pretty good fight. It was a pretty well-matched fight, so decent matchmaking going on there. Um, I thought the decision was pretty fair. Uh, it was pretty close. Uh, one judge had it for Nam, and, and two two judges had it for Matt Schnell, all 29-28. Uh, it, it, it could have gone either way, but if you if you held a gun to my head, I'd probably say that Matt Snell won the fight. Um, Snell, of course, uh, been in the UFC since 2016. Um, he has losses to Rob Font as well, uh, one of my sort of picks to be the champion at the end of the year. Um, he has got victories over Lewis Smalker um, and Jordan Espinosa, a couple of notable names there, I guess. Uh, and obviously now a victory over Tyson Nam. So he's definitely on the right path. Um, again, when you look at the division, mm, I'm not 100% sure um, where he sits or where he's going to go. Um, but it's a, it's a pretty stacked division now. And, and when you, obviously he sits ninth at the moment and Nam's 13th. Um, this is most likely before they've updated it. I don't know if Schnell will go any higher. Um, he's going to have to start picking off people in the top five. But when you think back that, that you know, this division was kind of a bit dead um, and now you look at it and all of a sudden it's pretty stacked and there's some pretty good names in there. So that's good to see. Um, Vivian Arejo, 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 Arejo. Uh, she beat Matt, Roxanne Modafferi. Obviously, I discussed Roxanne Modafferi, predicted she'd lose purely because that seems to be what she does after she wins. Um, and that's no slight on her, but there was a, a, a horrific gap in talent um, in this fight. Like, Roxanne looked like a competition winner, and Vivian looked like a bit of an assassin. 
And what also skews that is the problem is now, um, I don't know how good Vivian is because she was fighting Roxanne Modafferi, who just really isn't that good. And I feel bad saying that. But this puts Vivian um, on 10 and 2. And where does she sit in the division? Let's have a look where she sits in the division. I'll pick out a match for her. I'll decide who she fights next because someone's got to do it. Um, let's have a look here. What is she? She is flyweight. Of course she is. Women's flyweight. So obviously Shevchenko's the champion. Vivian sits number nine and Roxanne sits number eight. So I'd imagine she's going to jump her. We do have Joanne Calderwood fighting um, this weekend on UFC 257, which we'll cover off shortly, um, who sits number seven. She has obviously lost to Jessica I, who sits number six. So a little bit difficult for her, but I reckon depending on what happens with Calderwood, you could set that fight up. No problem at all. Uh, then we moved on to the light heavyweight division and we had Isaac Villanueva versus Vincius Morea. Uh, Villanueva won by knockout punch uh, 39 seconds of the second round. Uh, very, very interesting Isaac um, Villanueva because he opened his mouth um, and I thought he was going to be uh, foreign, like his name, the way he'd looked. I thought he'd be from Hawaii or somewhere exotic. No, no. Guys from Houston, Texas has a very deep Texan accent and talks a lot and mumbles a lot. <laughs> but this was his third fight in the UFC and he was on two straight losses before this. Um, so you kind of, if, you, if you're fresh into the UFC and then you lose three times in a row, you're gone. Um, and I think a lot of people have written, written him off before this fight. But he looked pretty good. He's nowhere near um, sort of top-level talent. But when you look at the light heavyweight division, Jesus, this guy wins two two fights extra. He could be right up there. So um, not trying to take the shine off his victory, um, but the guy he was fighting, <laughs> the guy he was fighting won on Dana White's Contender Series, and he has now lost four straight in the UFC. So I wouldn't be surprised if this guy is unemployed in the morning. Um, and I don't want to sound morbid or um, too harsh on him, but he even lost to Paul Craig and... Poor Craig loses to everybody, so I feel a little bit bad about saying that, but he does. Uh, then we move on to the welterweight division where Wally Alves uh, defeated Munia Lazez uh, with uh, body kicks, three really vicious kicks in quick succession. Lazez, of course, was given a given a chance by Dana after one of Lazez's friends saw Dana in a restaurant and came up to him and said, I've got this guy that will be really good in the UFC. And they gave him a shot. Uh, and unfortunately, it didn't work out for him. So, um, Wally Alves, you know, you look at his record, a bit a bit spattery. Uh, he did lose to Kamara Usman, so no one's holding that against him. Uh, he lost to James Krause, um, and he had lost to Randy Brown, and now he's back in the win column, so I'm not really expecting too much from him. Um, the main event was Michael Chiesa versus Neil Magny. Now, I thought Neil Magny would win this fight, um, and... Uh, I was wrong. Um, now, this was a fairly um, uncompetitive fight. Uh, it was a unanimous decision, 49-46 uh, across the board. Chiesa looked very good, and obviously he spent a lot of his time um, at lightweight, and stepping up to welterweight, you kind of always question how they'll do, especially against someone like Neil Magny, who has been 
at the top of, oh no, I say the top of that division. He's been a stalwart is probably the correct word uh, in that division for quite a long time. Uh, he sits ninth and Michael Chiesa now sits eighth. Uh, we've got Damian Meyer in front of him, which actually I think would be a pretty good matchup. Uh, you've also got the likes of Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and whatever on earth is going on with Tyron Woodley. So I think there's some good fights in and around there uh, for Michael Chiesa. Uh, but I know he straight after the fight called out Colby Covington, and that's quite a smart move when Colby Covington's the number one contender uh, and he's already fought for the belt. So what Michael Chiesa can do is piggyback off, off uh, Colby Covington. If he beats him, he puts himself straight in line for a title fight uh, and he skips over Leon Edwards, Gilbert Burns, George Masvidal, Stephen Thompson, Tyron Woodley. So he takes a big step forward if he can get the fight against Colby Covington and he can beat Colby Covington. So smart work from Michael Chiesa. Um, he is on a four-fight win streak now. Uh, victories over Carlos Condit, uh, Diego Sanchez, Rafael Dos Anjos, and Neil Magny. Uh, and coincidentally, they're his last four fights at welterweight. So he's on a bit of a roll. He's beaten some decent uh, caliber of competition, and it'll be very, very interesting to see how Michael Chiesa does moving forward and if he does get that fight with Colby Covington. So as far as a review of the uh, card midweek, that's about it. Um, like I said, it wasn't the most entertaining card and it's difficult to get really excited for something uh, when it's sandwiched by an incredible performance by Max Holloway and, of course, the impending uh, Conor McGregor-Dustin Poirier fight. Dana had an interesting uh, question asked for him at the press conference. And someone asked him, uh, oh, um, what are you going to do about the people that illegally stream this fight? And, and Dana got all excited um, and basically said, "They've got, I've got one. We've got one. We've got this guy. Uh, we're watching him now. Uh, if he posts that fight, he's done. You know, we, we've got the FBI. We've got this. We've got that. Um, and it's, it's funny, and I'm laughing because uh, it's – I feel bad to a certain point. But there's a couple of problems with this. And I can only speak, obviously, for the UK. Now, when someone puts a product up for consumption and they price it at a certain price, you can either decide to pay that price or you don't. And that's obviously the basic rules of supply and demand. It is worth what you're willing to pay for it. So... If people don't want to pay for it, they can't watch it. And then that's how that works. The problem we've got at the moment is you can watch it without paying for it. You can illegally stream it. Um, and I think that's unfair. I do think that's unfair because no matter how much you like the UFC or you like anything, you know, people... There are lots of jobs associated with putting on a fight show. There are lots of jobs associated with the TV network. There are lots of jobs associated with a film that gets made. You know, the, the extras, the, the people that work supplying food, the people that do the behind the scenes, the cutting, the editing, the whatever you want to associate with a, with a film. And if someone just goes out and doesn't pay 10 quid to go and see it at the cinema and illegally streams it, then they're taking money out of that person's pocket. So I... I completely agree with Dana. But here is my problem and my caveat to that when I'm sitting here in the UK. BT Sport advertised the UFC. 
BT Sport owned the rights to the to broadcast the UFC in the UK and signed another contract to do so. So when I pay my 35 quid a month to get BT Sport, I did so in the understanding that I get uh, all of the UFC cards, all of them. And that's how it was. Until Conor McGregor became a big star, I got all of the cards. And I think I got them all up to about, I think it was 196 when Connor fought Nate. I think it was 202 when they rematched that I all of a sudden had to pay 20 quid for the privilege of watching it. How does that work? How does that work? Just because it's Conor McGregor and you know everyone wants to watch it, you then change the rules and put a box office on there. That is unacceptable. And that is why I want to illegally stream those fights because that's not what I signed up for. That's not what I agreed to. That wasn't the deal. You can't make a deal and then just turn around and go, oh, yeah, no, yeah, no, I'm not doing that anymore. That's, that's, that's not how it works. So this doesn't really apply to what Dana's saying because Dana turned around and, well, I suppose it does a little bit because what they used to do is just have it on pay-per-view and, and charge 60 quid to watch it or 50 quid to watch it. Well, you get a load of mates round, tenner each, done. They then put it on ESPN+, Plus, which meant you had to subscribe to $5.99 a month and then on top of that pay. So that, I guess, is a little bit different, but it's 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 they can't stop it. They can't stop it or they'd have stopped it by now. Like someone like me who'll go on Twitter and watch the odd Premier League game when I'm bored and, and hit some little link, they can't stop me. They have to stop it at the source. But when they're when they're distributing content around the world and they distribute it to someone in Dubai and, and sign a contract with them, they're not regulating that. That's why you watch it on Twitter and it's 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 from Dubai and the commentary's all funny. You don't even enjoy watching it anyway. But as far as um, what Dane is saying, I agree with him. And I, I know I'm flip-flopping a little bit and I might sound like I don't agree with Dana. I do agree with Dana. It's his product. It's his company. Um, he is doing all the heavy lifting. He is doing the hard work. Um, or the company, and when I say he, I obviously mean the UFC. I'm just using Dana as that focal point for that. But it is he is perfectly within his rights to charge whatever he wants for a product. And if you don't want it, you just simply don't watch it. That's how it works. I do want it, and that's why I've paid 20 quid to BT Sport to watch something I should have already got for free because BT Sport is so fucking greedy that they want the extra money for putting on a Conor McGregor fight, which is totally and utterly unacceptable. Um, now, if when I signed my contract to have BT TV and BT Internet, they went, by the way, every time just Conor McGregor fights, you're going to have to pay 20 quid for it, then I have the choice to choose whether I want to do that or I don't. Um, but they didn't do that. And they don't do it when Daniel Cormier fights. They don't do it when Stipe Miocic fights. They don't do it when John Jones fights. They don't do it when Vanity and Shevchenko fight, uh, fights. They don't do it when Amanda Nunes fights. They don't do it when Max Holloway fights. They just do it when Conor McGregor fights. And I don't like that at all. I think that is not how it should work. Um, I think it's unacceptable and it's upset me greatly. I don't know if you can tell. In any event, I'm on Dana's side. I just don't quite know how he stops it. 
Um, and until he stops it, it's going to keep happening. Um, but if you can make it an example out of someone, that's great. I just don't think you'll stop the, 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 the vast majority of what's going on. Okay, then. So there's a couple of things I want to talk about regarding 257. Firstly, before we get into the main card, we had the uh, the weigh-ins, which were fine. Um, but the weigh-ins, the interesting thing about the weigh-ins is they were done yesterday. And they were done yesterday morning, morning. Now, the way that it works, because it's in Dubai, they're actually fighting at about 6 o'clock in the morning just to obviously make do for the American TV, which is fine. I went to Manchester um, and watched Michael Bisping fight at 6 o'clock in the morning um, to make it okay for the US TV. But what comes with that, uh, and what I guess it's a plus for the fighters, I know it's a bit of a negative fighting at 6 o'clock in the morning, but if you get to Dubai early enough, your body gets used to that and you can kind of uh, make allowances for that. But what is interesting is they're going to, they're going to have fully recovered from their weight cut. Now, weight cutting in the UFC is, is, is a completely different subject, one that I'll probably cover on a, a podcast all on its own because um, I think it's absolutely bonkers that they're still doing this. But in any event, you're going to see a Conor McGregor walk in to the uh, arena at probably about 165 pounds, and you're going to see a Dustin Poirier walk into the arena probably about 170 pounds, maybe 168 pounds, something like that. Uh, so it's not really a 155 pound fight. And that, that's kind of another reason why things like that irk me. But that's one point to, to take into uh, your brain when we're thinking about UFC 257. Um, we had the, the press conference. Now, we haven't had one of these press conferences for a while, obviously, because of COVID. But there were fans at this press conference. And uh, it just wasn't very fun. It wasn't very fun at all. I don't think we gained anything um, as far as a mindset goes by having that press conference. We didn't get an inside look into how the fight's going to go. We didn't see anyone winding anyone up. We didn't see anyone riled up. We didn't see anything that could give us a hint as to, uh, or even really a talking point as to how this fight's going to go. What we saw was a lot of respect um, between Connor and Dustin and Hooker and Chandler, um, which I'm not, I'm not completely adverse to, but this is an entertainment sport and you kind of want to be entertained. And the UFC does very well at putting out a lot of content and, and some really good products. Um, you know, they have Embedded that runs all through the fight week and you get a really good view of sort of the backstage and things that go on and little conversations between fighters and people and views on weight cuts and all this sort of stuff and, and, and them traveling in and their families and it's all it's all very good but when it comes to a big fight like this and I guess I guess I'm not trying to moan so much that there wasn't that much animosity because it shouldn't always just be that that sells. Luckily, there's a backdrop or a backstory here that Connor and Dustin have fought before. So you can run with that narrative that the reason they're fighting again is because uh, Connor's obviously trying to get back to the belt and Dustin wants to avenge his loss from uh, 2014. 
and get another title shot. There's also the hanging question mark over Khabib and whether or not he's going to fight again. And, and obviously, I don't really want to get started on that because that was horrific. Um, that was a... Uh, that uh, was Dana being desperate is what that was. Um, and I don't hold it against him because, you know, him saying he's going to announce it on on, a, on ABC means that there's going to be more eyes on ABC. Um, but I don't think Khabib wants to fight again or he'd be fighting again. Uh, I think Dana is hoping that I think what probably happened is they sat down in that room. Khabib said, I don't want to fight again. Dana said, I'll tell you what, watch the fights at the weekend and maybe you'll change your mind depending on what happens. He's then come out and told us that Khabib might change his mind. So I think that's probably what happened, and I'm not really holding it against Dana for doing that because it's his job to promote fights. In any event, I digress. So we go back to the press conference and it being just too nice. And I don't want to sound like I'm annoyed that it was too nice, but I was a little bit annoyed it was too nice. You know, I... If you show me that press conference and then you show me the press conference with him and Nate Diaz, I'm going to want to watch the one with him and Nate Diaz. And I don't know a person that isn't. I don't know a person that sits there and goes, oh, that's really nice. They're being so nice to each other. Um, but I want to see them, you know, be angry with each other. So it's, I guess it's different. It's something else. I'm not totally mad about it but when you've you had that with cowboy where connor was really 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 nice and now you're getting it with dustin where he's really 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 nice and i i don't know if you can tell i'm struggling with this a little bit and the reason i'm struggling with it is because even just in society in general at the moment there's a lot of negativity and even news channels report stuff that's negative and anyone that wants wants clicks or wants your attention is because they're saying something controversial or something negative um, the trouble is that's kind of what people want to hear. Um, and it's, it's hard to get away from that. So I don't want to seem like the rest of society. I don't want lies and I don't want, um, I don't want lies and I, I don't want everything to have to be negative. But when you get a press conference for a big fight that you've waited a year for, um, because Connor hasn't fought in a year, and you you don't really get any talking points. There are no talking points came out of that. You know you can you can spin the narrative that you know oh, uh, how's how's Connor going to deal with an opponent whose head he hasn't got into, and you know how's Dustin going to going to cope with it since he got knocked out last time. That's gonna be, you can do all that. It's just not the same as having that conflict. And I think I think that's what. I'm missing a little bit from this fight. But I guess it hasn't made me that much less excited for it. I'm still getting up at three o'clock in the morning to watch it. Um, I'm still very excited about the co-main event as well. You know, it, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but that's that's the way I see it. So it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts. Uh, let me know what you think on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, but yeah, from my point of view, I'm just a little bit, Ah, I wish there was more talking points from that press conference. Um, and I've had a few people say that to me as well, is that it's great. And, and, and the, the other problem with this is for the casual fan, and, and this isn't, I'm not saying this is right, but this is how it works. I'll tell you how it works. If you want to get a, if you want me to watch a boxing match, right, 
that doesn't involve Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, or Deontay Wilder, because they're the only three people that the average fan knows in boxing. Uh, and that is boxing's fault that that's the case. That's how that works. Um, it's up to boxing to tell the average fan who these people are and get their eyes on the product. If there is a press conference and something does not happen, the average fan is not going to watch. The only reason you get away with this is because it's Conor McGregor. If this main event was between uh, Kamara Usman and, um, I don't know, pick a welterweight, Michael Chiesa, the average fan won't watch. And that's the problem. They want a uh, something to watch for. They want a story. They want, oh, mate, did you see what happened at the press conference between, um, you know, uh, uh, those two UFC guys, those two UFC guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw it on Instagram. It was all over my feed. You see what he did or what he said or whatever it is. Oh, we should watch that fight. They obviously hate each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how it works. And I'm not suggesting that people go in there and manufacture conflict. But what I am saying is that if something doesn't happen, you don't normally get the average fan. And they'll get away with this because it's Connor. But if Connor loses and his next fight is the same, I, I think his star power starts to wane a bit. Um, obviously, if he wins and his next fight's against Khabib, you don't have to promote that fight because it's already been promoted once. And there is, after what happened after that fight, before that fight with the dolly and the bus and the fight and Artem and what he said about his wife and what he said about his family, after all of that, you genuinely don't need to promote that fight. It will do just fine. Um, so it's just, I don't know. I don't know. That those are my thoughts on it. Um, I didn't like how the the presser was so nicey uh, nicey, and I'm not suggesting that he starts being uh, a prick to Dustin Poirier. But you know they're going to fight. It's a sport. It's competition. There should be a bit of rivalry. There should be a bit of nastiness that goes along with it. You know, or, or perhaps not nastiness, but you don't have to be best friends. And I'm not saying you can't be best friends, but you certainly don't have to be. You certainly don't have to be. So those are my thoughts on the presser. Um, yeah, let me know what you think. Right, where was I? So, apologies, I, you won't have noticed, but my dog started barking and he has disrupted the flow. So, UFC 257. Women's strawweight division, first fight of the night, Marina Rodriguez versus Amanda Hibas. Haribas. Um, Amanda Ribas is on a five-fight win streak with victories over notable opponents like Mackenzie Dern and Paige Van Zandt uh, versus Marina Rodriguez, who has fought to uh, one draw and one loss to Carla Esparza in her last two fights. So I'm going with Amanda Ribas here. Um just because she's better and she's going to win, let's be honest, let's not mess around. Uh, Andrew Sanchez fights Mukmud Muradov in the middleweight division. Um, probably going to go with Andrew Sanchez here. Uh, I don't know if you can tell, I'm skipping through these because no one cares what I have to say about um, these opponents. Uh, and in fairness, and I don't mean this as a, as a disrespect to any of these opponents, 
people only really want to talk about the co co-main and main event. So uh, Andrew Sanchez will pick up the middleweight victory there, I'm pretty sure. Jessica I is fighting Joanne Calderwood in the co-co-main event. I've just made that up. Um, Jessica I has uh, lost two out of the last three, but one of them was to Valentina Shevchenko. She beat Vivian Alejo, who we spoke about earlier, and she lost to Cynthia Calvillo. Uh, Joanne Calderwood, obviously from Scotland. We like Joanne Calderwood. Um, she is on a three-fight win streak, uh, and she's actually won four of her last five. Um, and uh, oh, I'm terribly sorry. No, she hasn't. That's a lie. Um, she is on a... Uh, no win streak. She lost to Jennifer Meyer recently by submission to Armbar, uh, and she beat Andrea Lee before that. And she lost to Caitlin Chikazian uh, at UFC 238, and then she had two fight victory. Um, so this is going to be quite an interesting test for uh, Joanne Calderwood. Can she kind of springboard herself up to the next level of competition in the women's flyweight division against Jessica I, or can she not? I guess we will find out. Uh, on Saturday night. However, now we've got all those fights out of the way, we have got Dan Hooker versus Michael Chandler, and I'm very excited about this fight. Um, I'd go so far as to say I'm almost as excited about this fight as I am the main event. Um, not quite, but almost. Dan Hooker uh, was KO'd by Edson Barbosa, and he had a decision, a unanimous decision lost to Dustin Poirier. Aside from that, he has seven wins since 2016. Um, he obviously entered the UFC back in 2014. So he's been with the promotion a long time. He's had three, six, nine, twelve. Uh, 15 fights in the UFC. This will be his 16th fight in the organization. Um, he has beat Paul Felder. He has beat Ally Quinter. He has knocked out James Vick. He did knock out Jim Miller. He did knock out Ross Pearson. He did submit Mark DeCasey. He did KO Gilbert Burns, who is about to fight for um, the welterweight title. So when we talk about Dan Hooker and we talk about his caliber, he is... As good as it gets at the, in, in, in the light heavyweight division, if you're looking for a game, um, tough, light heavyweight, you go and find Dan Hooker. He lost a unanimous decision victory to Dustin Poirier. Uh, in reality, he won two rounds against Poirier and Poirier won three against him. It was a very close fight. It was a very violent fight. It was a very good fight. Um, he beat Paul Felder. In again, another barn burner. Uh, he beat Alia Quinta. Al's a good fighter. He's knocked out James Vick, um, knocked out Gilbert Burns, knocked out Jim Miller, uh, knocked out Ross Pearson, submitted Mark DeCasey. Dustin, uh, Dan Hooker is as good as they come in the light heavyweight division. So as far as Michael Chandler goes, and the reason this is very, very intriguing is because for the longest time, Michael Chandler would tell you and Bellator would push the um, narrative that Michael Chandler's the best lightweight in the world. And that was what we were told. And we don't know he's not until he enters the UFC. And we will find out whether or not he is elite level on Saturday night or tonight. Um so Michael Chandler has beat Benson Henderson, who, of course, was the former UFC lightweight champion. He knocked him out in his very last fight in Bellator, which was back at UFC 243 uh, on the 7th of August. He also has a victory 
uh, over Benson Henderson again, uh, a split decision. Um, he also has fought Eddie Alvarez. He lost a split decision to Eddie Alvarez back in 2013. But he submitted Eddie Alvarez uh, two years prior to that. So as far as his record goes, he's also obviously bit, uh, beat Brent Primus um, and Yamaguchi and, and a few people like that. Um, he could be the best lightweight in the world. I suspect he's not. But until he enters the UFC and he fights, we won't know. So basically what I'm saying here is we're going to know two things after this fight. We're going to know if Dan Hooker's got what it takes for a title shot and for elite, 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 elite level opposition. And we're going to know if Michael Chandler is as good as he thinks he is. So I'm very excited about that. Um, Dan Hooker sits sixth in the division. I think when they were looking for a fight for Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson turned it down. Charles Oliveira turned it down. Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor had their hands full. And Justin Gaethje turned it down. Uh, Dan Hooker said yes. And Dan Hooker now has the opportunity to register a very big win on his resume and move up uh, in the rankings and get closer to a title shot. Michael Chandler has the opportunity to basically uh, jump on the coattails of Dan Hooker, nick his place in the top six, and then launch an assault on the on the title. And obviously, the title is up in the air at the moment. We've been through, obviously, what, what was said by Khabib um, and where we sit on that. But it'll be very interesting on this one to see what happens. I'm very excited about it. Um, but... The real reason, of course, we are all excited about UFC 257 is Conor McGregor uh, rematches Dustin Poirier. And I went into a lot of detail about this fight on episode 13, I believe. I think we did a bit of a deep dive into um, their history, both of their records, what's been going on in their personal lives, and all of that. So I'm not going to go into too much detail here. I'm going to give you a prediction, and I'm going to tell you why I predict that. Um, the, the the overriding theory of this fight is, is that um, if it goes the full distance, that Dustin's going to win, and uh, if not, Connor will knock him out in two rounds. And that's kind of what's pushed here. If it goes outside two rounds, it becomes more Dustin's fight, uh, and if it doesn't, Connor's going to knock him out. And I guess I don't massively disagree with that. I think uh, the the fact that Connor's got no cardio is a myth. Um, he he gassed out against Nate Diaz in a different weight class um, after ten minutes or eight minutes or however long it was, and got tapped out on the floor uh, to an opponent he knew he was fighting with two weeks' notice. Um, not having to cut weight, Nate not having to cut weight, uh, and he gassed out. He then gassed out against Floyd Mayweather after 30 minutes against the best boxer in the world. So the fact that people say Connor's got no gas tank, I think is a bit of a myth. Uh, he did all right against Khabib. He didn't lose against Khabib because he was tired. He lost against Khabib because Khabib was better than him. Um, and that's the way that is, deep in the fourth round. He did better against Khabib than Dustin did. He did better against Khabib than Justin Gaethje did. So I think the fact that Connor's got no gas tanks a myth. I think um, I'm struggling to see a, a way that Dustin can beat 
Connor. I don't think he'll submit him. He won't knock him out unless it's a puncher's chance. Um, the only the only thing I can see is him out-voluming. Out-voluming? Is that a word? Is out-striking Connor and winning a decision. You know, he, he's a pressure fighter, Dustin Poirier. There's lots of pressure. He hits hard. He hits a lot. He smothers you. He doesn't let you breathe. And we saw that in the Dan Hooker fight. But I can't see a single scenario where this fight goes 25 minutes and Connor does not land that left hand. And it's as simple as that. That is that is literally what my decision boils down to or my prediction boils down to is I can't see a single scenario where this fight goes for 25 minutes and Connor does not land that left hand. And I know Poirier's got a chin, but as far as chins go, I don't think Connor's left hand counts in that discussion. If Connor hits you, you're in trouble. He dropped Nate Diaz three times, and Nate Diaz is 170 pounds. You know, and I know he didn't knock out Nate Diaz, but Nate Diaz doesn't get knocked out. You know, I think he got he got knocked out or TKO'd by a head kick by Josh Thompson about seven years ago. That's it. And even that, he wasn't knocked out. Um, and I'm not trying to discount Dustin Poirier. I think he's a hell of a competitor. I think he he rightly sits. Um, number one, well, number two in the division, but obviously Gaethje's just lost, so he rightly sits number two in the division. Um, but there's no reason for me to believe that what happened six years ago won't happen again. They're the same people fighting in the same ring under the same set of rules. Yes, Dustin Poirier's got better, but so's Conor McGregor. Connor has the mental edge because he's already knocked him out. I have yet to see any evidence that suggests that this fight goes any way different to the first fight. I think Connor McGregor finishes him in the second round or by the second round. I think if you look to the Eddie Alvarez fight, I genuinely think it's going to be exactly the same as that. And we're all going to be sitting around going, oh, Connor is actually as good as we think he is. And that is my prediction. Um, I've obviously put this episode up right before the fight. Um, it is currently five o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday afternoon. The fight is at five o'clock in the morning. Um, that's what time the ring walk is. So I've put this up 12 hours before the fight. So those are my predictions. I will be back on Monday with a guest to discuss the uh, the fights and how they went. It's going to be interesting. Let's put it that way. But we're all tuned in because it's Connor. Okay, so that was episode 18. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, let us know your thoughts on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, on Instagram, we are at Combat Review. Or sorry, on Twitter, we are at Combat Review. And on Instagram, we are uh, at the Combat Review Podcast with a load of underscores in there. I'm sure you can figure out where they go. Um, I will be back uh, with episode 19 with a guest. Very, very, very exciting. Um, and I hope you all enjoy the fight tonight. Thank you for listening. <laughs>